Welcome to the Real Estate Asset Management Podcast brought to you by Break of Day Capital. The show focuses on educating syndicators and apartment owners on how to build systems and manage their properties more efficiently to become a best-in-class operator. 100% straight talk. Let's jump in. Hey, everyone. Welcome to another episode of the Real Estate Asset Management Podcast. I'm your host, Gary Lipsky. Be sure to join our Facebook group, Asset Management Mastery, where we have a great community of thousands of like-minded individuals sharing resources and best practices. Choosing the right insurance coverage for multifamily properties isn't that complicated, if you know who to talk to. At the Garzella Group, we're uniquely qualified to help you navigate the range of policy choices you have, and we're committed to saving you 30% in the process. We do intensive market research and have nationwide relationships, so we can find coverage other insurance brokers simply can't. We should talk. Go to quotenow.biz and we'll start the conversation. Today on the podcast, I have Brian Briscoe. Brian has been a GP in over 1,000 units worth $100 million, is the founder of Streamline Capital Group. He's developed a multifamily education community called the Tribe of Titans and is the host of the Diary of an Apartment Investor podcast. Really unique podcast. I was on it recently. Definitely recommend it. Additionally, Brian retired from the Marine Corps in 2021 after 20 years of service to focus on real estate full-time. So, Brian, thank you for your service and welcome to the show. Hey, thanks, Gary. appreciate it. Can you start by telling the listeners a little bit more about yourself and what you do? Yeah. So, you know, right now, full-time into real estate, you know, I, I started while I was still active duty. Like a lot of people, I picked up a handful of single family properties and I got hooked, essentially is what happened. And as my my military career rolled on, I got to the point to where, you know, I could see the light at the end of the tunnel. I could see like, hey, you know, I can retire soon. And what's really nice about the military retirement is it comes out of pension, doesn't matter how old you are. But, you know, I started seeing that light at the end of the tunnel and asked myself, what's next? And that's when I decided to do apartment investing. You know, like I said, I had a handful of single family properties. I wanted to figure out how to scale it, how to live off the income from the properties. And so when I had about three years of active duty, you know, left under my belt, got into a coaching program and, you know, the rest is history, you know, closed on, you know, eight or 10 properties while I was still active duty and another four in the last year and change that I've been out. So in a nutshell, that's where I started and where I'm at now. Excellent. Excellent. There is a huge community of former active duty members and in real estate. It's amazing. You know, I think it's just because, you know, it's a little different dynamic. You move a lot. You end up getting a lot of accidental landlords, you know, where, you know, hey, you just got told by your service that you're moving in three weeks. And it's like, I don't have time to sell the house, but I have to move. That's happened a lot. I think there's a lot of people that also take advantage of moving and using the VA loan to, you know, just buy another property, you know, rent it out, move and get the other one. So I think that's kind of what leads to it. But yeah, there's, it seems like it's disproportionate, the number of veterans in this group. Good to have them in in real estate and building wealth. Yeah. Well, today we're going to talk about finding a good property management company. It's so hard to do that. What are the most important factors that you look for in finding actually a property manager? It's really difficult. And I think that's why I chose to, to talk about this 
is, you know, when you're talking with property managers, it seems like they all know what to say. You know, you start, start talking about it and you ask for references. Of course, they're going to give you the people that like, you know, you can go with them and tour properties, but it's a different thing when they actually start working for you, you know? And so what I've found is, you know, when, when you start asking the questions, you just got to figure out, you know, what's important to you that they get done, you know, because, I might be the only person that has had this problem, but you know, I've never had a property management company that has done everything that I've wanted them to do in a timely manner. You know, so at the end of the day, I think there's a lot of trade-offs. You know, we just hopped off of an asset management call on a 61 unit property, and the property management company was the focus of discussion. You know, we were talking about, you know, the renovations. They have, have this one renovation that's taken them two and a half months to get done, you know, and it's it's one of those things where You've got to realize, you know, what areas are you capable of stepping in and handling for yourselves versus what things does a property manager absolutely positively have to do, which is something that I didn't realize on my first couple of syndications. My first couple of syndications, I thought that, you know, we just got to keep on searching until we find that perfect property management company. And we were probably on our sixth property management company when we realized we're never going to find it, you know, so... That's really my take on it more than anything else is if you're going to run this like a business at some point, you know, you're probably going to have to augment whatever the property manager is not very good at, so to speak. I 100% agree with you. We've gone through a number of different property management companies. We really like the one that we're working with right now. But yeah, I mean, getting things done in a timely fashion, we've got to pick and choose. They're not perfect. And and if we own our own company in-house, it doesn't solve all your problems anyway. No. no, it doesn't. We were kind of quick to fire early on. And, you know, recently I, I've been a little slower to, to fire the property management companies because you're never sure if that next company is going to be better or worse. You know, they all know what to say and you can start talking to them. They're like, yeah, we're going to get in. And, you know, we were really good at leasing and this, here's our process. Here's how we do things. And then, you know, you finally get to the last straw with one property management company and you get to the new one and guess what? They're taking the same amount of time to do things, you know? And so part of that is, so like I said, I, I've come to be a little more slow to fire and just kind of waiting until, you know, yeah, we absolutely positively need to move now. And what we have, we've ended up doing is just picking up a lot of the slack, you know. So there's some properties that we're running renovations on. There's some properties, you know, we're dealing directly with a general contractor and we're scheduling, especially with the CapEx type stuff, the renovations, that's a lot easier. We don't touch the maintenance side, but, you know, if we have units coming open, you know, and we have a property manager that we know is not going to take care of it. It's just, or is slow at that stuff. You know, we'll just hop in and, and we'll do it. And it's a conversation. There has to still be a lot of coordination with that property management company just to make sure that you're not stepping on each other's toes. But, uh, you know, the end of the day, you know, you have to get the deal done. You have to execute the business plan. There's not a perfect property management company out there. So every once in a while, you got to roll up your sleeves, get your hands dirty. You know, a lot of people, forget that they're not the owners of this property. They manage many properties. And so, you know, it's just, they're punching in and punching out. And you've got to create some kind of ownership thinking within that staff to really get the best out of them. But it takes time to do that. That's a good point. You know, also from our asset management call, just, you know, an hour before I hopped on this call, the phrase came up, you know, people are inherently lazy, you know, and you know, the property manager, when you look at it from a property management perspective, and we've seen this with a lot of managers, you know, 
most indicators are going to come in and they're going to want to try to push rents up. You know, but if you look at what the property manager has to go through to push the rents up, it's hard for them. And a lot of property management companies are going to resist, you know, being aggressive on rents because, you know, they're going to get fewer leads. The market rents 1200 just, you know, throwing a number out there and you're listing your property at 1150 you're not going to have vacancies. The property manager is going to have plenty of applications. They're going to be able to sift through the applications, find the right person, and it's easy for them. You know, if the market rents 1200 and you're trying to push to 1215, 1220, it's the opposite. That unit's going to sit for a long time and the property manager is going to have to do a lot more work to get a tenant for that. And so that was like one of the aha moments I had, you know, it probably took two, two years too long, but you just realize that you you have to understand the dynamics of the property management company as well and realize that there are trade-offs. You know, if you're going to be pushing rents, your your property manager is going to be working more. And, you know, if they start working more and not getting the results, they're going to stop working eventually. So, so what are the most important criteria that you look for in a property management company? Personally, I want them to nail leasing, you know, the, the whole leasing process, you know, from start to finish, from marketing to to lease, to move in and move outs as well. So that's the most important part to me. And really, that's kind of the part that I don't want to deal with ever. You know, if I need to hop in and, you know, on certain properties, you know, work with general contractors to get work done, I can do that. You know, that's, that's not very hard to do. But for me, they've got to nail the leasing process and the churn process. I include that as well. So from lead to lease to to move in to move out and rinse and repeat, you know, I, I think they have to nail that process. You know, like I said, where I'm willing to to seed a little bit is, you know, if they're not very good at renovations, you know, we can we can handle that. Yeah, I think if you nail the leasing part, that solves most of your problems. Because that's you know, your NOI. I mean, if you have good NOI, you know, good yeah. income coming in. It's amazing how many property managers don't really nail that leasing thing. So that's really it. You know, how long is it taking them to lease the units? And that's one of the KPIs that we do track is when is the move out? When is the move in? How many days between, you know, move outs and move ins? And that's, that to me is one of the most important indicators on how well the property management company is doing at the leases. Are there any uh, red flags that you've come across that make you want to walk away from a property management company? Yeah, red flags. There's a lot of flags, but like like I said, I, I'm I'm a little slower to fire right now. But I, I think there's one property management company that the bookkeeping was terrible. They weren't paying utility bills, you know, and so we would get late fees on our utility bills. We would occasionally go through the ledgers and find stuff from different apartment complexes, you know. So somebody would do the data entry incorrectly. You know, the back office, you know, needs to work as well, you know. So that's one of the biggest red flags because, you know, I hate to say it, you got to nail the numbers too. You know, they, they really have to nail the numbers. So as long as that's a big red flag to me, then, like I said, the time between leasing, you know, time between move outs and move ins, you know, if that gets to be excessive, first thing I do is I start, you know, pulling the string and trying to figure out why. I think some property management companies, they'll talk a big talk trying to keep an owner happy. You know, like owners are going to come in and say, we want to push rents to 950. And I think sometimes the property managers don't don't push back a little bit, you know. So, so sometimes, you know, when we have that long gap between move out and move in, I like to pull the string first and see what's happening. But yeah, sorry, I kind of kind of rambled on that answer, but there there's lots of little flags pop up all over the place. Yeah, I think, you know, when you talked about 
you know, property management company pushing back. That's so important in the courting phase of when you're talking to a property manager, if, if they're not willing to kind of push back on something that that's a big red flag. Cause you, you want someone to be like, this isn't going to happen. <laughs> yeah. Know? I mean, if, if you can't, it's like that, use that $1,200 rent example. Again, if market rents are 1200 and you as the ownership group are like, I can get 13 and you're forcing the property manager to go at 13, you're going to have a vacant unit for a long time or a lot of vacant units for a long time. And, you know, if that, that property manager can't, you know, assertively, Hey, isn't going to work. You need them to be that, that voice of reason. And you should be hiring them because they are, you know, the subject matter experts on renting in that area. So, yeah, I, I think if they're not pushing back when they should push back, you know, that that's something to, to me that I think, you know, I think they should do. Obviously communication is the key to any relationship. You know, how do you create effective communication with your property management company? For the most part, you know, we get everything done in a single weekly meeting. It depends on how big your asset is. You know, if, if you have a lot of assets with one property management company, they're going to spend more time with you. If you've got a threeplex, you know, they're, they're not going to spend an hour a week with you. But, you know, you just set up regular meetings and you make sure that they understand what things you want to approve or, or not approve, right? You know, so I, I think it's just a, a simple matter of, you know, clearly defining the lanes, you know, hey, property manager, you have all of this, you can do whatever you want, you know, however you see fit on these areas. Here's where I want you to call me, you know, oh, by the way, don't make that list excessive. Because once again, the property management company, you know, don't want them to get annoyed with you, you got to kind of play that line between, you know, how much they're making versus how much time they're spending on it, which is, is something I also took me way too long to realize. But yeah, regular communication, you know, whatever frequency that is, you know, depends on you and the property management company. And then clear lines on this is the stuff that I want to know about, you know, when it happens. And this is the stuff you can take care of and we can talk about on our on our weekly or bi-weekly meeting. A lot of new operators ask me about accountability. How do you hold a property management company accountable? Do you have any tricks for that? You know, the KPIs and that weekly call is your tool to hold them accountable. You know, hey, property manager, you said you'd have this done by by this week. You know, why isn't it done? You know, what are you doing to get it done? And I think the biggest thing on the accountability side is, you know, you just, if, if it's not working, you leave and you take that revenue stream away from them, you know. So the weekly call is really it. I think you're going to learn really you really quickly what your property managers can and can't do. And, and like I said earlier on, it's kind of a dance where it's, okay, this is what they're good at. This is what they're capable of. This is where I might need to step in and help a little bit, right? And yeah, the accountability, weekly calls, you know, make sure that there's metrics. We've offered incentives to certain property managers before, and this is usually like one step before firing them. It's like, look, your, your leasing's pretty slow. I'm going to give your leasing agent a hundred bucks if they can get this unit filled before the end of the month. That's something else that we've done with a, a little bit of success. But like I said, that's kind of like the, the last draw before firing. Anyway, I hope that, uh, hope that helps. Once again, ra- sorry, I rambled a little too much, but I uh, hope that helped. You also mentioned earlier, you replaced uh, some property management companies in the past and talk about that process. Cause it's not, it's just not like a smooth transition typically. So maybe some lessons learned, you know, for some of our listeners out there. Yeah. First of all, I don't think it's ever a surprise to the property management company. I think most times it's mutual. Usually by the time we get there, there's frustration on both ends, you know, and part of that is 
you know, a lot of it's just the expectations, you know, like, hey, we've had four units sit vacant for two and a half months now. After weekly calls of, of what's going on, why aren't you doing this? Why aren't we get these leased and them not solving it? Usually it's time, you know, and you know, it's time and they know it's time. But the the process, you know, it's that there has to be a really good solid handover to the new property management company, you know. So I usually spend a little bit of time kind of vetting a couple new property management companies before I part ways, you know, before we tell the other company that, hey, we're we're quitting on you. Most agreements between owners and property management companies have like a cool down period, like, hey, you can cancel within 30 days. I found that most property management companies just want to, you know, pull off the Band-Aid, you know, they just want to get it done quickly. So so typically, if I know I'm going to fire somebody, I'm going to find the new property management company, you know, talk to them about what we want. And maybe we're talking to two or three different companies. But the important part is just to make sure there's good communication between the two companies. The other thing I would say is aim for middle of the month. You know, you don't want to do end of the month right before collections come in or early in the month while you're doing collections. Um, aim for the middle of the month or at least after the monthly collections have all come in before you do that handoff so that you have time to get the new payment information out there. If there's a new portal people have to log into, you're getting that information out to the tenants. You know, If you change property management companies on the 30th, you're going to be chasing down rents from the other property manager all month. You know, So a lot of it is just you know, the, the handoff and you've just got to make sure that you're talking with both sides. If you can get on a three-way call, even better, but make sure you're touching base with the new property management company, especially. And hey, did you get get all the keys yet? Have you gotten copies of all the leases yet? Have you gotten, did you get the security deposits transferred over and whatnot? And then of course, there's the final accounting with the old property management company. Eventually, you know, they probably have some of your money in an escrow account or collections or whatnot. They're probably going to want to hold a little bit of that in reserve until all the bills come in. But you just got to make sure that you're aware of how that works and you're not going to see, you know, the last little bit of money from that management company for probably a month or two. But, you know, overall, we've had fairly smooth turnovers. I wish there weren't as many of them, but uh, we've had a lot of pretty smooth turnovers. No nightmares there. Excellent. Excellent advice. Well, Brian, I asked this question pretty much of all my guests. What is your asset management superpower? Oh, geez. My superpower. Wow. Uh, I don't know if I have an asset management superpower. Well, I, I spent 20 years in the Marine Corps. And, and quite frankly, you know, I was a, a commissioned officer. That's essentially what I did for 20 years in one way, shape, or form. You know, I was managing people. I was managing budgets. I was man- managing training schedules. You know, so I've been doing a very similar role for 20 years. And you know, it, it's something that, you know, I know how to do. I'm probably, I'm not the best at it, but it, it's something that's definitely inside my skill set. I know there's a lot of things I need to get better at, you know? Yeah. It's like, like I said, I, I had 20 years of preparation, you know, working on, you know, military related stuff, you know, training plans and personnel management and budgets and whatnot to, to get me where I'm at. Nice. Well, I'm, I'm sure that, that translated perfectly into into this. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it doesn't translate directly, but the skills do. You know, we're not yeah. uh, putting bombs on, you know, right. uh, targets anymore. So, <laughs> uh, so that would be fun. Yeah. Well, thank you, Brian, for coming on the show and sharing uh, uh, your insight on, on property management companies. A lot of great stuff. Talk about nailing leasing. Talked about no PM is perfect, yeah. which is definitely true. Could you tell the listeners where they can find out more about you? 
Yeah. A couple of websites. LinkedIn is probably the best place. You know, I, I try to post on LinkedIn several times a week. You know, if you want to hear what I'm saying, you know, the podcast as well, Diary of an Apartment Investor. And for the listeners, you know, Gary did recently do an episode with me. So you can pull that one up as well. And then, you know, websites, you know, I got two websites to push people to. If you're interested in passively investing with us, streamlinecapitalgroup.com. And, you know, we also have an educational community, the Tribe of Titans. And that's the tribeoftitans.info. So those are the many ways to, to learn more about me or get a hold of me. Excellent. Excellent. Well, this is Gary Lipsky signing off. I'll be back next week with another informative episode on the Real Estate Asset Management Podcast. To all of our listeners, thanks for joining us. And if you like this episode, please head over to iTunes or Stitcher and like, subscribe, and review this podcast as it will help us grow our audience and reach more people. And if you'd like to learn more about what we do at Break of Day Capital, head over to our website, breakofdaycapital.com and sign up for our newsletter and or fill out our investor application. We'll talk to you next week. 